Um, Dr. Page, talk to us. Talk to us. So, so I do uh, concur with everything Nyla said. Um, she did talk about the baggage and how, you know, we have a bag and we just keep putting stuff in it, putting stuff in it, putting stuff in it. Um, so one analogy I always use with my clients, I'm like, you have on a backpack and you're carrying around probably about five, 10 pound boulders. So you got about 50 pounds of weight on you right now. And it's wow. actually caused by trauma. And so wow. <clears throat> they always talk about, you know, well, I'm just tired. I feel like I can never get enough rest. And I'm like, well, when you're walking around with that much weight on you. I'm like, that's what happens. I'm like, you begin to break down mentally, mm. emotionally, and physically. So I'm like, how much longer <clears throat> do you think you can actually walk around carrying all of this baggage? And I'm like, at some point, guess what? It's going to weigh down on you and you're going to break. I'm like, we are people. Um, we are made to be strong. We're made to resilient. So we can bend but we shouldn't break. And of mm. course, that's you know, where the mental illness aspect comes in because it's like you're carrying too much. Yes, it is going to break you down at some point in time if you don't take care of it. Now, I know us as African-Americans, we have always been taught, you know, that we're strong, we're resilient. We need to go no matter what. <clears throat> and I'm like, but y'all, we're still humans. So mm. I'm like, even though, yes, we are probably some of the strongest people on this earth. I mean, because I look at the things we've been through, you know, we're still going. Um, we are still, you know, having a hard time with that now. We're starting, you know, to break down now from all of the stress and everything else that we have carried for years. So I do tell people, you have to take care of yourself. And I'm like, you know yourself best. I mean, how you think, how you feel, you know, how you act, you know, your sleeping patterns, um, your eating habits, all of that. And I'm like, when that stuff starts to change, mm -hmm. <clears throat> excuse me, I'm like, that's your warning signs right there. You know that something's off. So I know for me, when I was, um, in my early 20s, around about 2021, um, I was in college, I was in a relationship, things were going well, and then it was like overnight, things just fell apart uh, between us. So um, it, for about two weeks, I just noticed I wasn't my normal self. Like, you know, I'm right. pretty, you know, pretty cheerful person, you know, smiling, things like that. Um, I wasn't as happy. I mean, it literally felt like I was in like a black hole and could not get out. So that was kind of a warning sign. Like I wasn't eating, I wasn't sleeping, my hair was falling out. I was like, yeah, oh, there's wow. something definitely wrong. <clears throat> Cause I was like, this is not me. So I was sitting in my abnormal psych class one day and we were going through the mood disorders and they have a little checklist there. So we get to depression. And as we're going down the list, like I'm checking them off, checking them off, checking them off. And I'm like, I checked 10 out of 13 things. <laughs> so that was my aha moment right there, which that was the Lord saying, you are depressed. That's why you've been feeling this way. So of course it all clicked at that moment. Mm. Um, so, um, like after, like I got out of class, like I went and researched depression and if there would have been a picture in the book, it would have been me right beside, you know, depressive disorder. That would have been me because I was depressed, but I did notice I just was not myself. And of course I self-diagnosed, um, you know, myself then, but I'm like, okay, I'm like, this is horrible. Like, I don't want, you know, to feel this way. So I knew I had to, you know, start um, <clears throat> processing that and getting rid of it. So I did a lot of, you know, praying. I was up at night, you know, crying, praying. So I was like, Lord, I was like, this is horrible. Like I never right. want to go through that again. Uh, but it was just, I mean, you know, having the stress of losing that relationship, grieving that relationship, actually. Um, then right. I was in school, you know, trying to finish up school. It was taking like 15 hours. I was working full time. So I had a lot going on. So for me, that was like the, you know, wake up call that I definitely don't need to take care of myself and actually go, you know, get the help. <clears throat> 
So I do tell people um, what we have to do is really just take the mask off because we're good at masking stuff. Um, and come to terms on. with that's, you know, our problem. I mean, we can walk around, we can smile, we can laugh, we can act like it's okay. But underneath it all, we know it's not okay. And it is okay not to be okay because we're humans. And I always uh, tell people, yes, the help is there. Because <clears throat> there are some people, they're like, well, we don't have the help. And I'm like, y'all, the help is there. You just have to actually reach out. And I'm like, you have to get the help. I will say when I look at other races, they go get the help. I mean, yes. they're going to go to therapy. They're going to go to counseling. You know, they're going to rehab. They're going to mm -hmm. do it all. But there's something that actually, and it's the stigma, that stops us from going and getting the help that we need. And so we walk around with like years of baggage, you know, and it's just weighing us down. I mean, I know right. people, that, you know, their brother or their sister cut their Barbie doll's hair off when they were seven. They're still mad about that. But I'm like, mm. you're seven now. So you, you've been oh, walking man. around for years. <laughs> Still oh, mad wow. about this, and it's like, when are you gonna let that go? And then, of right. course, you know, in those forty years that they've grown up, you know, through you know adolescence and adulthood is just compounded, and so that's where you know, of course, we get the complex trauma from because mm -hmm. it's just over the years going through all those adverse life experiences and never coming to terms with them. Like you said, Harry, just running from it all the time. But we do have to stop at some point in time. It's okay. I got to deal with this. Because if you don't okay. deal with it, it's going to deal with you. And it's then that's what we're going to see the ugly part of it. Mm. Man, you've heard it straight from the doctor and from my CC. Um, these are just real life situations, real life events that we're dealing with every single day. So you could be, depending on what season of life you could be, you could be the patient or you could be the person that, uh, that's offering the help or you could be both the people. This is just, um, be careful how I say this. We don't accept it, but don't think it's strange if you find yourself in it in your life. Does that make sense, ladies? Did I say that good? It we don't ex, we don't embrace it and just say, "Hey, this is how it is." We work on it, we do everything to fix it, but then we don't freak out either when we may find ourselves in it or we see it in our lives either, right? That's kind of I think that's a fine line. Um, because basically, I listened to both of you both diagnose so many different seasons that I went through in my life, even seasons now. Um, but it's great to have information to help dig yourself up out of the situation, right? Um, I, when you both were talking, I thought of this particular thing, and I want both of you to address it before we go to our next portion. Um, many times we hear this. Um, I heard this um, as a kid. You know, there's nothing wrong with them. They're just a bad, they're just a bad little kid. Let's, I want to dig into that a little bit. Um, because I think of a couple of things when it comes to that. Um, and I have to be careful too, because I'm speaking of it from a generation and a time where they didn't have access. Um, technology wasn't where it was where it is now. So it was limited to a degree, even if you're talking just having the insurance to be able to go and do these type of things, it was totally different. And I'm talking some over 45 years ago. Um, but when you look at the landscape of that now, that phrase still happens. But now we know we have so much access, so much um, other tools to help us identify and work on things. 
But when you hear that term, and you two both, um, even myself know, the kid is, he's not, he or she is not a bad kid. They have some other things going on. Talk to us about that. How can we help parents or guardians or whoever have, have children? children? Um, because um, let's go from the faith perspective. We already know life and death is in the power of our tongue. Whatever we speak is going to manifest. So if I've been entrusted with this child, even though my eyes may be betraying me, I'm still going to say, no, 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 LaJani is blessed and LaJani is well-behaved. LaJani um, is obedient. LaJani, you know, little Sally, you know, she's very obedient. <laughs> those things, we have to say those things. I, I don't want to have this without. But just speaking from a natural perspective, how do we delve into it as it relates to mental health and trauma? Dr. Page. So when it comes to uh, children, uh, one thing we need to look at is have they had any adverse childhood experiences, which we call ACEs? Mm -hmm. And so basically that's going to be traumatic events and it's going to happen for uh, children zero to 17. So that's going to be the neglect. It's going to be the abuse. It's going to be the violence. So we do have to actually look at those things because they are going to affect children when it comes to children, because they usually don't have that mental, you know, or emotional capacity to be able right. uh, to verbalize, you know, their feelings. So, you know, their anger, their frustration, you know, irritation, whatever it is. A lot of times children are going to act it out. And of course, I work uh, with children and I'll get parents and they're just like, my child is bad. And I'm like, well, one, don't call your child bad. You know, say your child is doing, you know, some, you know, bad things, um, but don't call your child bad because I'm like, as soon as you put that out there, then yes, your child's going to be like, I'm bad. I'm going to act bad. So because that you think I'm doing. So I will actually, you know, <clears throat> ask them, you know, what is your child seeing? You know, what have they experienced? What's going home? What's going on in the home? What's going on in school? You know, what's going on in the neighborhood? Typically, I'm going to look at those three environments to see if I can make some connections is there because even though you can have um, a child in the home and maybe everything's fine in the home, you don't know what's going on at school. Um, then at school, of course, we got bullying going on. We got fighting going on. You got school shootings going on. So these kids are dealing with a lot, even when they walk outside the home, yeah, even yeah. just in their neighborhoods. You know, I've worked um, in juvenile justice system <clears throat> and the majority of uh, the boys I had there Growing up in neighborhoods where there's a lot of violence, you know, there's a shooting, you know, the fighting, there's a lot of abuse. So, I mean, they're seeing this from the day that they are born. And so what's happening, of course, is they are not taught how to properly cope with stress. So it's like, oh, you know, you go fight, you know, you go handle it in the street, whatever it is, right? Which these days are not fighting, they're just shooting. Um, so basically, we got to look at the adverse childhood experiences, what's happening to them. And then I will have some parents, you know, they'll say, well, I'm just beat it out of them. I'm like, you're not going to beat it out of them. It doesn't work that way. Um, <clears throat> so I will actually tell them, you know, get your child some therapy, get them some counseling, just so, you know, your child can learn those coping skills because they got to learn how to cope. I mean, we're going to yeah. go through stuff. It's not going to stop. So, you know, the coping skills, getting some anger management skills in there, how to handle their emotions is like, Sometimes you got to walk away, you know, it's probably the best thing to do in some situations, but just knowing how to calm themselves down, you know, when they are getting angry. So knowing how to deescalate. Um, and then also 
just giving them some social skills. So sometimes, I mean, I see children like they have no social skills. None, I mean, I would ask children, you know, what's your name? They're like, you know, Lil Rue. And I'm like, who is Lil Rue? I'm like, that is not your name. <laughs> I need a legal name, the one that's on your birth certificate. Oh, and I'm like, well, I don't go by that name. And I'm like, listen, you have to know how to, you know, introduce yourself. So just, you know, social <laughs> skills introducing themselves, you know, right. just, you know, saying, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. I get kids are like, yeah, no, you know, and of course I didn't grow up that way, but I'm like, it goes a long way if you say, please, it thank does. you. Yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. Yes. So, you know, just teaching them uh, the social skills, um, how to express their emotions instead yes. of, you know, expressing yes. it and holding it in. Um, now the girls, they're great at that. <laughs> you know, they're going to cry and read all that. But typically when it comes to the boys, when it comes to the males, oh Y'all are taught, you know, you got to be masculine. You got to hold know, it right? And I'm like, okay, we need to yeah. get out of that <clears throat> um, right. because it's not helping. So just te teaching them how to, you know, express those emotions. So I think for when it comes to children, teaching them the coping skills of the, at a young age. And my nieces and nephews um, <clears throat> at their school, their elementary school, and they actually, I think, yeah, elementary school. So they started in like kindergarten. So they have what they call their emotions ring. And so they have a little ring, little flip cards on it. And so whenever they're sad, you know, like they don't want to talk about it. They can just say, oh, I'm sad. But they are taught to like identify their emotions and talk about it. And of course, that's SEL, the social emotional learning. So they're learning, you know, those coping skills in some of those schools. They're doing a lot of that. But then you still get, you know, the kids, it's like they miss out on that. So I do, you know, tell parents, um, do family therapy, do family counseling. I do actually parent training um, yeah. with a lot of my families. Um, they'll come to that. And so I'm working with the parent and the child because a lot of times I've got adult parents. They don't have coping skills. So they're right. over here throwing stuff and punching holes in the wall and doing everything else. And then they're like, well, I don't know why my child is like that. But I'm like, look how you handle your anger. So your child That's has learned that from you. And so I'm like, you've passed it down. And now you're wondering, well, I don't know why they do that. It's because you do. <laughs> so mm -hmm. we have to sit down and we have to work through all of that. Uh, but just treating the parent and the child, because a lot of times that child is responding based on usually what's going on in the home or maybe what's going on at school or in their neighborhood. Mm. <laughs> Naila. Go ahead. You know, y'all know I want to touch everything, but I'm not. Go ahead, now. I know you. You can touch it. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not. Um, I'm not. Dr. Page mentioned the ACEs. In in most instances, parents who take the ACE assessment, they realize that they have experienced a lot of trauma as well. That's and right. so, as mentioned, if the parent has experienced trauma, you're typically teaching your child. Mm -hmm. the traumatic way that you respond to things. So you're teaching your children mm -hmm. your traumatic response as opposed mm -hmm. to teaching them how to effectively cope. Wow. When you think about therapy, I, I really believe play <clears throat> therapy is so helpful for children. So when okay. you have kids, typically between ages of like four and 10 or four to eight, when they're able to have a counselor and if they have a play therapist, children's natural form of communication is play. Mm -hmm. So when a child is in a play therapy room, they're able to play out and communicate to you in ways that you would never imagine, right? So mm -hmm. they can go in there, they can play it out. Typically when parents are divorced, like I know in the play playroom that we had, it was two houses. So when parents are divorced, they have a house where they can kind of show what's going on with mom and show what's going on with dad. 
I know when I was in school in clinical, what they did was one kid, his dad liked to cook. So he would come and play therapy and he would cook the whole time because mm. that's what his dad did. And his dad was a musician. So he liked to pretend and emulate like he was playing instruments. So children communicate very deep in play therapy, um, what's going on with them. And they'll talk about it sometimes, but typically they play it out. Right. And that's a safe place. It's non-threatening. Mm. It's not somebody asking them a million questions. And right. it's someone actually spending time with them and tracking their behaviors. And like Dr. Mm. Page mentioned, she trains the parents. There's child-parent relationship training where you teach a parent how to play with the child and how Man. to be present in that moment. Because a lot of times parents don't know how to do that. Kids are like, hey, can you come to a tea party? I'll do that later. I got to cook. Right. But a tea party? Baby, a parent can get so much information from a child and learn so much if they just go sit down at that tea party. So in mm -hmm. child-parent relationship training, typically, um, if there's a play therapist your child is working with, hopefully they've gone through a program that teaches them how to do that. But it, it teaches them how to interact and engage with the child during play, what they should do and what they should not do to ensure the child is comfortable. And yeah. so it's not threatening. Because when you negatively impact the child during play, you're coming into their world and you're mm -hmm. messing with how they play and their experiences. But that's the best way for a parent to be able to learn how to engage most effectively. Um, but I think that's about it. I really want to push that because I know if I'd had play therapy as a child, I tell you, I'd already had my player haters degree. Mm -hmm. I'd already be president of something. You know what I'm saying? But when you don't yeah. have an outlet or a way to address the trauma as a child. Yeah. You take those issues from childhood into adulthood and yeah. you're continuously trying to, to figure things out and you're not going to be able to do it effectively. Yeah. Wow. That's ladies, 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 um, man, you hit it. I mean, you hit, you nail it every time. So <laughs> parents, listen, hear me right here. <clears throat> I know the first time of me hearing what I just heard from Dr. Stacy and from our CC, Naila, it was tough to swallow. Because I was like, Stacy talked earlier when she was in her class and she was checking the boxes for depression. She checked like 11, 12 boxes of it. And it's like, it's no, it's no denying that I am straight up depressed. But as a parent, when you sit there and you're checking all these boxes, you can see like the reason they act in that way is because of the way I act. It's tough. So let me, I want to comfort you right now. You cannot give what you do not have. I know what grandmama told us, what a mama told us, and but you it's impossible to. You have no frame of reference. You don't even know what it looks like. And so when you look at Stacy, again, Dr. Page talked earlier about generations. We talk about all of the traumatic things that were passed down that were also things for everyday living that was not passed down and rightfully so because you got generations of people who are fighting and surviving fighting and surviving fighting and surviving and all of us on here we know how to do what fight and survive fight and survive fight and survive and that's a good thing but there comes a point and there comes a time where we have to stop drop and roll and stop dropping and roll is getting some new information and learning. And I'm telling you, it is hurtful. You have to identify 
it is hard to look in the mirror and it's like the issue is you, you, Harry Hickerson, you, yeah, you, you the one. It's tough. I want you to know on today, if you make up in your mind that you want to change it, it whatever help do better. I promise you, we are a team that's committed to help you walk you through it. And you don't have to hang your head. You don't have to feel sad. If you cry, cry this time, but you prophesy to the tissue, say, this is my last time I'm crying over this. Why? Because I'm going to do everything and I can, everything that I can to be better at this so they can be better at that. Right. So I want to say that to you first. And then if your parents are still alive, let them off the hook, let them go. They couldn't give it to you. They didn't know. Why are they in their late life where they should be enjoying and they still having to apologize. They're still having to say, I'm sorry. They're still having to beg for you. Let it go. Forgive. You have the information now. Forgive. Let it go. Let's walk the journey together. In our families, there, are, there is so much already that we have to contend with. Let's take all the unnecessary stuff out that we're having to contend with and put that stuff away once and for all. Let's, let's, now, I do understand the forgetting process. You may never forget what happened. That's a whole nother podcast. But I'm telling you, if you're willing to forgive, if you're willing to forgive, it's the first step in the healing. And as you go through the healing, I'm telling you, there is a way for you to forget. If God said he can take your sin and put it in the, uh, the sea of forgiveness, the, the sea, and, and you don't remember it anymore, surely that we can do the same thing. But it takes work, right? I'm t- I had to, if I'm going to do a uh, mental health and trauma podcast with these ladies, I have to be on I have to be honest and vulnerable. You know how many times my toes been stepped on since we, this is our third year doing this. I'm like, man, but you know what? I embrace it. That's why I want to be better at it. I want to get, and I know it takes us, it's levels, it's seasons to it. So I wanted to say that um, because that is, a, I think it's an issue that we see and we hear so much. And yeah, if you look at some of what's playing out, I guarantee you some of them been they've been told that when they were young, male and females alike, right? So that's good stuff, ladies. That's real, real good stuff. And our parents, man, I want you to know, man, if whatever your yesterday was, let it be yesterday. Let's start a new today and make a new tomorrow. So that's good stuff, ladies. Um, I think I want to go here. I want to, I think I want to go here. I don't know where I want. I do know where I want to go. Well, do I know where I want? I do know where I want to go. Um, okay, so I want to talk about our title when I say my mind playing tricks on us. I want, I'm going to ask you guys a question. Then I'm going to make a statement. Then I want you guys to answer the, the statement. So, Dr. Page, when you hear me say, um, let, me, let me give a little clarity too. When I was thinking about doing this, I was trying to think of something catchy because I wanted people to watch it. And so I was going, I was like, man, I couldn't think of anything. I couldn't think of any title. And sure enough, one day (laughs) I'm going to go see my buddy. I walk into the convenience store and what's playing in the background. My mind playing tricks on it. I say, there it is right there. That classic song we all know. And if you listen to that song, they let you know why their mind was playing tricks on them. So it's a play on words, but we do know that our mind does play tricks on us. We do know that. So when you hear that, the title, what comes to mind, Dr. Page? Mm. 
Um, so when I hear that title, um, mm-hmm. my mind is playing tricks on me. So what comes to mind for me is people not, of course, taking care of their issues. So having, you know, the anxiety, the depression, it never gets treated. <clears throat> and then that is where, like, you know, they start, you know, hallucinating, you know, hearing, you know, seeing things that aren't there. You know, you got the paranoia and all that mm-hmm. that comes along with it. And so um, I know deep down inside, uh, you know, people are like, you know, rep- repressing that stuff. And of course, it's going right. to come up at some point. And so what's happening is, even though, yeah, you know, they're functioning, you know, whatever, and able to go through. Uh, and, and of course, to them, they're functioning well, you know, so they're like, I'm functioning okay. But then to us, we're mm-hmm. looking at it, and we're like, no, you're living in total dysfunction. And so <laughs> for me, yeah. uh, my mind is playing tricks on me. It's just basically um, being in dysfunction and actually thinking that you are living an okay life and you're really not. Now, of course, the person, you know, that's living in, um, dysfunction you know uh not functioning like you know we would expect them to they think everything is fine you know they think everything is going great and really it's not and of course we're on the outside looking in and we're looking at you know the things they're talking about we're looking at the things that they're doing and we're like okay that's not making any sense to us why are they doing that so of course to them it's making perfect sense though so of course you know i work with a population where you know i do mental health and substance abuse and so i will have a lot of my clients they'll be like man you know i was saying this i was saying that i did this i did that and they were like my mom was playing tricks on me and i'm like it was in more ways than one (laughs) (laughs) of course you know they're under the influence and then you know of course you know when they're having the negative thoughts when the paranoia sets in instead of them going and getting the help it's like i'm gonna just you know go over here and you know, roll it up. I'm going to light it up. I'm going to smoke it up. I'm going to drink it up. Um, That's Mm -hmm. them. And I'm like, that just adds another layer to it. And I'm like, yeah, your mind will be playing tricks on you then. You're going to hear things and see things that are not there (laughs) that are not real. So for me, uh, when I hear that, that's what I think about. That's good. uh, Naila, CC, Naila, CC. It's more like your, your perception is your reality. Okay. So what you perceive is true to you is true to you. What you perceive is real to you is real to you. Everyone's perception is different. Mm-hmm. So what I think about one thing here, you may not see it the same way. Right. Stacy is real. So in some instances, it can cause you to make you feel like your mind is playing tricks on you. Right. When you I can speak from personal experience when I was in a situation and um, Stacy brought up depression, right? And being depressed and me thinking back to the fact that a lot of times it can be generational depression. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear your parents talk about things from the past and the things that yep. they've experienced yep. and how it happened on this side of the family, that side of the family. And you're like, okay, so has this really happened to me too? Like, is this why I'm going through this kind of thing? Or is this why right. these things are happening? And it makes you look at things differently. But how we perceive things now is not how people perceive things in the past. Right. Right. Um, And like you mentioned, when you add other components to it, I've seen people who who have been struggling with different things. I'm not going to I was about to say it out loud, but we're talking about that in the next segment (laughs) when people are struggling with different things and they try to use maladaptive um, coping mechanisms, which are things you shouldn't do. Bad coping, like she mentioned, the alcohol, the drugs and things like that which does lead to paranoia. I know most people think marijuana is the best thing since sliced bread, but it increases (laughs) your anxiety. 
I'm just saying it increases your anxiety. It's clinically right. proven. So right. it makes you paranoid. It does cause your mind to play tricks on you. So <laughs> when you think you're living in reality and you think everything is going okay, um, you're carrying all your baggage and your luggage. You're not getting the help you need. You're not communicating that you need help to your support system. Um, sometimes one thing can just tip you off the edge. Right. And you're like, is this really happening to me? Mm-hmm. Is this really my life? I've said it out loud before. And right. it causes you to sit down and think about what you need to do differently if you want to make a change. Mm. Man, you ladies, boy. I can't get nothing around y'all. Y'all be on point. So I'm going to make the statement now. <laughs> so when I when I was in the store that day, the song came on. I, okay, I immediately got the title. I said, okay, I know I want to talk this. I'm going I'm, to I'm try to cover that. But I've never, this will be the first year that I've ever said this this way. And I think we should, I don't know how we'll address it or maybe in the next episode or something. But when I think about my mind playing tricks on me, I think of it from this perspective is when my mind sees something and my mind tells me that I can't be it or have it. Case in point, um, I may see someone live in a particular neighborhood. The trick is you'll never be able to live in the neighborhood. Or you'll see somebody, a couple that's thriving. Your mind, your marriage will never thrive like that. You see people sending their kids off to college. Your mind, you'll never be able to send your kids to college. You see people just experiencing life in a healthy manner. Your, body, your mind tells you, your body will never, you'll never experience it. When I think of my mind playing tricks on us, when I look at a society, when I look at the social media, the internet addiction of believing things that our mind has engulfed over and over and over and over and over and over, that's what I think about when I say my mind is playing tricks on you. A lot of people, <laughs> minds play tricks on them just from, just from thumb surfing. Mind tricks. Mind. Jedi mind tricks. I wish I won't. I wish I won't. I wish I won't. But when I look at God's will, nothing in there says anything about I wish and I won't. He said that it is. And it is so. That he spoke. Let there be light. And it was what? The lights came on. Right. So I think um, as we're talking about these things, it's, in, it's, in, it's, it's, it's so important, as I said before, if you want to be whole, you have to understand the whole story. So I know in the other segments, I'll, I'm, I'm going to delve more into the faith side of things, because if you really want to experience it, too, um, and be whole, you need to understand the faith portion of it um, so you can have it. I, like, I don't want to just get it and experience it for one quarter. No, I want a lifetime of it. And so I think those things play into that. So when you, when I listen to you guys talk, oh man, I'm, a, oh, excuse me. When I listen to you guys talk and like, then I'm like, man, um, much, much love, much shout out to anybody that's in the, in the clinical field, doctors, therapists, whatever you do to help people with um, their mental health, man, man, thank God for you. Um, it takes, um, special what I decree, um, what I think are special individuals to be able to do that. Right. 
And I think as I laugh, I'm saying this out loud. My kids are going to laugh when they see this. My wife is going to even laugh. I think um, when I think about raising kids, you know, I'm like, man, that's about as mental as I can go. I think after my pay grade, I can't go any higher than that. Because, man, I know they are definitely laughing at me as their therapist, as a father. It's like, man, this dude is bugging out. But I understand the pressures of life, like raising kids. It's probably one of the, it's the hardest thing other than being married. Those two are the hardest things that I've ever done in my life. Now, let me say this too. They are also the both rewarding, the most rewarding things that I have ever done in my life. But I will tell you, they are hard. And man, y'all understand this from our generation. My mama say, boy, you're going to make me lose my mind. She would put our whole hand on her head and say, boy, you're going to make me lose my mind. So for me, when she would make that statement, I knew I needed to go somewhere, be very quiet, be very still, and get out of sight. Because it meant the next thing was going to be, I'm going to bring some harm to your body, right? So now, parents, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not telling you to do that. I'm, this is my story, right? This is my story, right? This is my story. I'm, I'm helping you to see how does this mental thing look and then somebody listening, I get it. You might not even understand what we're talking about. We all may be from different walks and have different experiences. But I think if you look at the foundation and you look at the outcome, doesn't matter what your situation is, you can still see the fruit of it. So, um, ladies, um, I think what I want to do now is we talked about some specific things that we want to cover. And I'm going to go to our CC um, first. And what I want you to do now is I want you to pick one, right? Uh, the audience doesn't know. We know because we talked about it. I want you to pick one and I want you each to do um, one. I don't want you to do the same one. I want you to want each, I want each of you to do um, one and I want to delve into it because I'll pretend now that, okay, I, I have this session with you, right? And so let's say for pretend, I don't, I won't say how I necessarily go, but let's just say you asked me to email you some information. So when I get there, you have a, a basis to start and how we're going to delve in or what was the questionnaire, whatever it is. So you got my questionnaire, uh, Naila, you got the information. I'm there. Let's pick up the conversation now on what you want to talk about, right? Because we need to talk about this, Harry. When I looked at what you said, right, we need to talk about it. This is something new that I'm doing, but I have the right guest on to do it with. So I'm ready. <laughs> you said you're ready. I'm ready. No, I'm ready. I'm ready. I already went to the bathroom. I'm ready. I ain't got to get up. I'm be here for ready. Let's go. I'm ready. Okay. I'm doing. I'm doing this for a reason. And after we do it, you'll be like, okay, I see why you did it. Go ahead. I'm ready. I would say grief from the trauma of mental health. There we go. Let's jump in. Let's talk so, about that grief. So, when you're experiencing grief. Um, mm -hmm. it's not always death. It's not always a physical death. Okay. When you're grieving something, you're, you're grieving something that once was that you no longer have or okay. an experience that you had. So grief for mental health, like for instance, I spoke about my husband. Mm -hmm. I had to grieve the person that he was before. I had mm. to grieve the man that I married because he's no longer that person. Mm. I had to grieve the relationship that I had because I no longer have that relationship. I had to grieve the woman that I was then because I've evolved into a different woman, mm. right? So okay. when, when it comes 
comes to grief with mental health, a lot of times you have to grieve the things that once were in order to be able to step into your purpose and destiny that's set forth for you to move forward. Mm. So with acknowledging this is what it was, this is what I had, I don't have that anymore. That's not ever going to be. That was my story then, that's the past. I have to forgive whatever I have to forgive, whoever I have to forgive for myself in those moments. So I have to forgive the people who judged, the people who criticized, the people who ridiculed. I have to grieve all those things to move forward and be able to to be prosperous, right? And not hold on to it. Um, and I think a lot of times people think forgiveness is for the people that you forgive. The forgiveness is for yourself. Yeah. We forgive for ourselves. So mm. you have to grieve the mindset that you once had. Um, and struggling with um, anxiety and depression at different moments of my life and having panic attacks and things like that. I have to forgive whatever caused that. I have to forgive the situation. Mm. Um, and I have to to forgive myself and show self-compassion, right? Self-compassion. Because self-compassion is something that a lot of times we don't show. I have to stop mm. and be like, it's okay, baby girl, you got it. You can move forward. This happened. It wasn't your fault, but you can mm. progress. You walk into your destiny. So I have to grieve what once was in order to step and walk into the purpose of what I once had. And we have to do that every day with things that we have to let go of. Mm. Ooh. All right, I'm, I'm leaving your office. I'm getting ready to go to Dr. Page's office. <laughs> wow, that's that's heavy, man. We're coming back to that. That's heavy. That's good. It's heavy, but it's good. Okay, Dr. Page, you got my question there. I'm sorry for the grape jelly. I had a PB and J before I sent it to you. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. It smelled like peanut butter. My bad. It's perfectly fine. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, one topic I do want to talk about briefly is substance abuse. Um, mm. Now, I could probably talk about substance abuse for days and still not come to an end. So I'm gonna do a little glimpse, a little snapshot. No, I want you. I, I want you guys to talk. Bro. That's why we're. So, that's why we're on here. We want to talk. Um, so no, right now we are definitely in a substance abuse crisis. Um, yes. So <clears throat> um, pandemic, you know, we were not expecting that in 2020. We were not expecting to be in it that long. Um, okay. So that actually, you know, triggered um, a lot of people actually relapse as far, you know, with substances. People said they were doing fine in the pandemic hit. Everything gets shut down. Our world was turned upside down. We didn't have, we had to live according to a new normal, figure out some new things. So right. <clears throat> a lot of people, uh, you know, just relapsed into their addiction. And even some people, it started their addiction. So when it comes to trauma, um, we do see a lot of people self-medicating. So because they haven't dealt with their traumatic experiences, <clears throat> they are self-medicating. So instead of going to the doctor and getting, you know, maybe medication for the anxiety and depression instead of getting the counseling, they're like, well, I'll just drink, you know, I will use drugs, so I'll smoke marijuana, I'll smoke meth, I'll use heroin, you know, whatever their drug of choice is. <clears throat> um, so we've seen actually, you know, the rise in addictions, especially over the last few years since 2020. And of course, I work with clients that have both mental health and substance abuse issues. And okay. the majority of my clients, they're Issues actually started in childhood. So they had a lot of those um, ACEs. So the abuse, the neglect, you know, 
seeing the violence, you know, even being victims of it themselves. And so what they did was instead of, of course, going to get the treatment, they said, well, <clears throat> I'll use drugs. And so the majority of them, it started with alcohol. And I mean, most of them, by the time they were like 11 or 12, they were already drinking. And so that's typically where it started. So that was kind of their gateway. Then by the time they hit their teens, you know, they were smoking, using marijuana. And then, of course, it just, you know, bloomed from there. <clears throat> and of course, alcohol at one point, it wasn't enough. They built their tolerance to that. Then it was the marijuana built their tolerance to that. And most of them, by the time they hit 16, 17 years old, then it's the heavy drugs. You yeah. know, it's the methamphetamines. Um, it's the heroin. And even now it's the fentanyl. So we're having a whole opioid crisis, which people right. are dying left and right from that. Um, <clears throat> I know here in North Texas area, um, and I'm pretty sure it's in other areas too. I mean, we had like three or four kids in one week. Now, this is just Monday through Thursday that overdosed on fentanyl at school. So passing out, you know, in the classroom, um, there was actually one death. One of those students uh, did actually pass away. They did, you know, catch the people, <clears throat> excuse them, excuse me, that sold them the drugs. So uh, when it comes to trauma, a lot of people do self-medicate because they just feel like if I drink, you know, if I smoke, if I, you know, inhale, snort, shoot up, you know, whatever their means, you know, abuse is. It's going to help the problem. But I always tell my clients, <clears throat> when the alcohol wears off, when the drug wears off, you're right back where you started. So you're yeah. still facing that problem. And I'm like, I don't care how high that you get. <laughs> One, you're never going to get back to that original high. You know, when your brain cells, you know, were still fresh and hadn't been affected by any drugs. I'm like, you're never going to get back to that. That's why you're using more. Um, so we do have to learn those good coping skills so that we are not out there self-medicating. And of course, once you start self-medicating, it's like, that's your crutch. That's what you're going go to go to. Mm -hmm. Then you have this whole vicious cycle of addiction. Um, I have clients where I'll have them maybe for 60, 90 days. And then 30 days later, they're right back. Because mm -hmm. they, they and so mm -hmm. a lot of them, they haven't been taught to have those, you know, good coping skills. They only know to pick up the bottle. They only know to smoke, you know, or shoot up and they think, oh, that's going to help me when it's really not. They're just doing more yeah. harm to themselves. So, yeah, yeah we're having um, a challenging time right now because there are a lot of people using substances and it just seems to be getting worse. Man. Yeah, we, okay. So, when you are, you find yourself um, having to deal with if it's you yourself or someone that you love with the substance abuse, or if it's yourself or someone you love and you find yourself having to deal with grief, um, you've just been giving information. And obviously it's great when you get information, right? It is. It, it feels very empowering. I feel really good. But we know the most critical step is taking it and being um, doing the implementation of it. 